everybody. Welcome to the OETA Movie Club podcast. My name is Jeff Mareva. I'm the director of the show, and I'm here with our host, Mr. Robert Birch. How are you doing, Jeff? Doing pretty good. How are you doing? Pretty good. Good. Um, got a really good musical to talk about today. Yes, we do. Um, this is the OETA Movie Club podcast. The OETA Movie Club comes to you each Saturday night at 9, follows the next Friday night at 11, um, so you get two chances to see our movies that we mm -hmm. show each week. And this week's movie is Guys and Dolls. Yep. A great musical from great 1955. Musical. 55. That's right. Uh-huh. Um, um, it's about, uh, you know, it was a big play. It was a huge hit on Broadway. Um, and uh, it's adapted a little bit, but, but for the most part, it's uh, it's even filmed in a, a way that looks like it's yeah, on stage. Yeah. Um, but it's about uh, a, uh, it's about gamblers in right. New York City. Uh, it was called A Fable of Broadway. And um, so Sky Masterson is this legendary gambler um, that uh, gets hoodwinked by Nathan Detroit, a, the character, uh, Frank Sinatra's character, uh, into, uh, tricked really, into taking a bet that he could not take this um, uh, Salvation Army missionary on a trip uh, for the weekend to Havana, Cuba, which at the time, I, you know, it's presented as, you know, this uh, place of decadence and sin. Right. Which I'm, I'm sure maybe was. Right, you know. right. And, um, you know, uh, this is before, this is pre-Castro, Cuba, you know, this is, no one had heard of Castro at the time of this right. film, right? And so, uh, uh, and really it's all to finance uh, Nathan Detroit's uh, uh, moving cap crap game. Yeah. Uh, he doesn't have money for a crap game, and uh, the big players are in town, and he wants a score, and he needs money to run the crap game, and so he puts this bet on Sky Masterson, played by Marlon Brando. Marlon, the great Marlon Brando, who's not really the best singer in the world. <laughs> um, he, he had singing lessons, just pretty good in this, but you know uh, he was not a singing yeah. actor before this movie. And uh, there was actually, um, you know, the director, or maybe the producer, I know it was the producer, um, actually in the original contract, said that he could overdub their voices if he wanted to. He, uh, Marlon Brando and Gene Simmons. Uh -huh. And uh, after hearing them, he said, you know, they're good, let's, let's use those. And, well, and he and, used uh, it as a publicity tool as well. Right. Saying, you know, uh, Brando sings. Yeah. And he was the number one box office draw of the day. Yep. Oh, yeah. But, you know, um, I want to talk about how famously Marlon Brando and Frank Sinatra did not get along. No. I don't know if they ever got along, but definitely well, you know, not during the making of this film. It wasn't personal. Um, it was just that um, Frank Sinatra, I guess, didn't didn't uh, pay attention when or he, he was reading Maybe the he script. didn't know the show or yeah. something or whatever. But he didn't know that Nathan Detroit was not the main character in this. Right. He was not the romantic lead right. in this. And and he took the took the role um, and was incensed, you know, infuriated that a non-singing actor got the lead role in a musical over him. Right. And he just never got over it, not from day one. 
No, and there there's a lot of people who wanted this role. I mean, yeah, a lot of people that they talked really about. Um, um, Gene Kelly uh-huh. um, really wanted this role. Oh, he um, yeah. more than anything. Like I think this is like he said. I think it was one of his quotes was he was born to play this role and right and uh, ne- didn't get to because. His producer at the time, the the well, it was the studio system. The studio system, and was still he in place. was the yeah. property of MGM. Right. And even though uh, the studios would loan out their actors to other studios for films, they would not loan uh, Gene Kelly to Samuel Goldwyn for this film. Yeah. And he never forgave them. Right. And, uh, but yeah, I mean, Gene Kelly. I mean, and it lot- would have been a, a much better film. Yeah, it really would have been a better film with, uh, with Gene, Gene Kelly, Kelly. as uh, in the Brando role. Yeah, it would have been. But yeah. Um, I agree. Yeah, and Sinatra agreed too at the yeah. time. He did not. Well, so like uh, day one, Brando goes to to Sinatra and says, you know, hey, you know, maybe I need some help with some of the songs, and you know, maybe we could get together and rehearse on on some of this. And Sinatra said, I don't go for any of that method crap, uh, <laughs> you know, so you can stick it. Yeah. And yeah, it was on from there. Yeah, exactly. Um, which it sounds like Sinatra was just a peach <laughs> to work with. No, uh, Well, he was notoriously he was notori- hard yeah, to work yeah. with. Yeah, I know. Even as a singer, you know, yeah. big band eras. Yeah. Um, well, let's talk about some of their back and forth stuff because there's some of it that's pretty darn funny. Uh-huh. Um, uh huh. There's a scene um, where Frank Sinatra has to eat a piece of cheesecake, and um, apparently uh-huh. Frank Sinatra did not really care for cheesecake that much. <laughs> um, and uh, and Brando knew it. And Brando found this out and intentionally flubbed his lines. And to the point where Brando, I mean, where uh, Sinatra finally had to say, I can't eat another bite. Like, I literally <laughs> cannot eat this, another bite. And they had to send him home for the day. Uh-huh. And then they came back the next day. And the next day, I guess Brando was okay with it. And they got the the, the scene shot in the first take. He did his lines uh, right. Did yeah. his lines right and everything like that. But that was like the stuff that <laughs> they were doing to each other. Um, was flubbing lines and uh-huh. causing the other problems yeah um he said uh later years later he he in an interview brando said that uh, frank sinatra was very difficult very you know very hard person to work with and he's the kind of guy that when he dies he's going to give god a hard time for making him bald right <laughs> which is like a, a another dig <laughs> right. to say sinatra is bald, bald right <laughs> um well, there's a scene at the beginning um, where he gets on a scale, and they weigh uh-huh. him, Frank Sinatra, and uh, he weighs 130 pounds, and they say, take off the coat, you know, or whatever, and he takes off his coat, and he's only 125 pounds, and uh, this was a kind of a dig at him just being a very slender, very slim character, or Which person. Which goes back way to the beginning of his career you know as the heartthrob the the crooner yeah you know he was so uh he was like the beatles all in in, in a, a tiny suit right uh and and rail thin yeah. um yeah uh, that it, it was a constant but you think about him later in career. his career and you think you think of him later in his career as being like a tough guy yeah you know which yeah. i don't really get yeah. but 
But that's kind of... He thought of himself. He thought of himself as a tough guy. It's because he started hanging out with mobsters. Uh Uh (laughs) Uh-huh, uh-huh. They could do the fighting for him, right? Exactly. Um, There's a great scene in uh, this this film that was uh, on HBO that they... It was about the making of The Godfather. And uh, Mario Puzo goes to Ciro's, the famous Hollywood restaurant. And um, somebody points out, uh, you know, there's Sinatra over there. And, you know, The Godfather had come out. Sinatra was not a fan of the book, you know, because uh, he was getting a lot of people asking him, are you this character? And um, he ends up getting into a fight with, you know, his his greatest, you know, he's one of the greatest fans of of Sinatra's. And he ends up getting this fight and, and, uh, you know, it's like he grabs a, a, a... Mario Puzo grabs a, a fork off the table at Ciro's and has got it to the neck of Frank Sinatra. Wow. <laughs> Not how he thought that evening was going right. to go, you know. Yeah. But, wow. yeah, it just kind of, I mean, shows the, that Sinatra was not as bad as he thought he was. Right. Um, well, they did all, they were all kinds of stuff between the two of them not getting along. And, and uh, the cast and crew were quickly... Divided uh-huh. between Brando and Sinatra. Had to choose sides. They had to choose sides, which that would be a crappy situation yeah. to be in. Not healthy for uh, the filming of a movie. No, no. Um, but yeah. Um, and then, of course, Sinatra was apparently reported to have his entourage with him. Oh, of course. Everywhere he went. He did. And uh, and uh, eventually it got so bad that they wouldn't even speak to each other. They would only speak to each other um, through... Other people. Yeah. Yeah. I mean. Yeah. Again, not a good working relationship. Now, Sinatra had uh, expressed uh, that he he had wanted to um, he he wanted uh, to play the same roles that that Brando had played. Uh, he wanted to play the the Terry character and on the waterfront, and he had wanted to play Don Corleone in The Godfather. I mean, he got over his dislike of the godfather as as the mob uh got over it uh, right they initially they weren't going to let him make the godfather but yeah. um uh yeah frank sinatra had wanted to play that role too so it's like you know brando was in his way all this time right yeah you know? um so samuel goldwyn was so pleased with the way brando behaved apparently uh-huh. um on and off screen during this movie that he ended up buying him a white thunderbird <laughs> sure that also didn't make frank sinatra very happy <laughs> either um but the director but, was but, on brando's side he right. was in brando's camp that's right he was and um but brando like there was a catch to the white thunderbird he wanted brando to do some publicity for the film which which brando agreed to do which he never did right and um, he agreed to do it and did a little bit of it, but then ended up going back on his word and quit doing it. Um, he remembered after. why he didn't like exactly. doing it. Exactly. He did it a couple of times and went, <laughs> I don't want to do this. It sucks. Well, and, he was uh, notoriously difficult to work with, too. He was. You know. Yeah, he was. Very difficult. Uh, you know, it was like uh, Marilyn Monroe wanted to play Adelaide. Yeah. But uh, Joseph Mankiewicz, the director, said he had just, he had just worked with her on All About Eve. He says, I'm not going through that again. Right. No way. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then who was the actress who um, was supposed to play, but her dog got 
Betty Grable. Yeah, but Betty Grable, that's right. Yeah. yeah. She had a lunch with uh, Samuel Goldwyn uh, to discuss her you know, playing Adelaide. And uh, her dog, um, what we read was uh, she leg. said it was sick, but it had broken its leg. It was yeah. not sick. It, it had a broken leg. And Goldwyn uh, you know, said, okay, and she was a no-show for lunch. Take her off the list, and and he wouldn't consider her for the role. Yeah, anymore. yeah, that's crazy. Um, and I don't know if it would have been better with her in it. I mean, eh. the I don't know. Oh no, no the uh, the, the, the actress who plays Adelaide. Yeah, is, who, is what's her name? Great. Uh, I mean, she's great. Yeah, um, she's, she's great she on was Broadway. Origi- I was like, she was the she originated the role on Broadway. Um, oh, I'm looking that name up right now. <laughs> she is she's spectacular. Um, I mean, there's a reason that they brought him over for the you know from uh, they don't do that a lot. You know, the, right. the, bring the, right. the Broadway star over. Usually, they like to recast. Yeah, and um, you know, like Stubby K uh, right. as nicely, nicely in this is is fantastic. Yeah. Now, you know, part of it is because they film it like a stage production. So right. you know, even if the even if their uh, acting is a little, you know, playing to the balcony, uh, it it works. Right. Um, but uh, I, I think um, you know Adelaide's performance is, is really really great. Yeah, she's great in this. Uh, her yeah. name is Vivian Blaine. Vivian Blaine. Yeah. And uh, yeah, and so and then um, uh, uh, B. S. Pulley, who plays Big Julie. Yeah, he was in the Broadway production, the you know big, uh, big gangster big, guy, yeah. and and uh, and then um, oh uh, somebody I love the voice. Um, uh, I, it's like Harry the Horse or something like that. He's <laughs> uh, the sidekick to Big Julie's. Big Julie would like to play with his own dice. <laughs> He's in um, um, uh, the Christmas film. Um, with Jimmy Stewart, uh, uh, a wonderful life. Yeah, yeah. yeah he's like uh, he he works at the uh, Martini's bar. God, I just you know. watched that this last Christmas. I can't remember him. That's that. it. That's it. Out you two pixies go <laughs> out through the door or through the window. <laughs> I love it. I love that character. That's so funny. Look at me. I'm handing out wings. <laughs> um. Well, the director. They did. You said you mentioned that they kind of shot it a little bit, kind of Broadway stage style, and he apparently wanted to really strive for realism um, in the characters, but not in the settings. So he wanted the settings to be grandiose and big, and didn't do any location shooting. All it was all sound stages, and um, you know, no rear projection and and stuff like that. And uh, uh, but. You know, the, but then he was very, like, picky on the costumes and wanted the costumes to kind of tell the character's story. Um, Sarah's nervous habit of opening the second button on her jacket is supposed to signal her uh, desire to be free free from her existence. Like, there was all these little things that the director did that I, I don't know if I would have picked up on, per se, um, if I hadn't read about them before I watched the movie. You know. Yeah, like Frank Sinatra's suit. You know, he's got this great, you know, it's like a bow tie. Yeah. Um, uh, and he does. I mean, he looks re- – I think the 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 costume is made to make him look even thinner right. than he was. Yeah. And then, like, Sky Masterson's got these 
you know, uh, Marlon Brando, uh, big uh, shoulder pads in the in the suit, or um, you know, Stubby K's uh, great costume. You know, he's you know the bow tie and the the hat and and uh, I mean, it, it, yeah, it's a realism in the costumes, the the uh, the Salvation Army uh, uniforms, right? Uh, just you know, just like they walked in off the street. It, yeah, I guess it was done with the. Uh, Expressed uh, uh, approval probably, of the Salvation probably. Army, right? Yeah, probably so. Um, well, the choreography was also he was the director um, was very picky on. Um, the choreographer was uh, Michael Kidd, and um, Joseph Mankiewicz had Mankiewicz had the um, utmost praise for what Michael Kidd was doing with the choreography. He was really skeptical of one scene that Michael Kidd wanted to stage the crap game as a big ballet, uh-huh. and he was very skeptical skeptical about that. But um, the choreographer's unique conception and execution impressed everyone when it was finally screened, and uh, you can watch that scene, and it's just it's incredible. I mean, that's that's it's so big, and you know, over the top and just... Well, it's like the the ballet sequence in Oklahoma. Right. Right? Except you've got the same actors uh, dancing in this. Right. But, uh, yeah, it's, you know, and it's telling that story through through uh, dance. Yeah. And, uh, you know, they're able to uh, put in some of the songs um, in that, that, uh, that were cut from the Broadway yeah. play. Yeah. Um, yeah, this, um, A Woman in Love... Um, uh, no, wait a minute. No, wait a minute. That's that's the one that they wrote for the movie. Yeah. Um, there was a couple that were in the the stage show that were cut. Um, yeah. I've gone blank on the names of them now, but but um, but yeah, they cut a couple songs and then they wrote a couple songs for um, the movie version. They wrote um, three songs for the yeah, and "Woman in Love" is the main one. It's the main one. "Pet Me, Papa," uh, and "Adelaide." Were Adelaide too. Uh huh. Um, which Adelaide? Um, apparently Frank Sinatra. Um, didn't want to sing it in the style of his character. He wanted to sing it as his self. Uh-huh. And the producer didn't really argue with him, and it led Marlon Brando to tell the director, hey, why don't you tell him how you want him to <laughs> sing the songs? And the director, of course, never did. Yeah, Joseph Mankiewicz, I'm not doing that. I'm not that. touching that. I'm not yeah. touching Yeah, well, the guy that wrote the song, yeah, he told him, you know, uh, we're going to do it my way, or you can... yeah." expletive yeah, yeah off right yeah. and um yeah and then brando got so mad that that joseph mankiewicz wouldn't wouldn't tell him the way he wanted it that he said he would never work with him again and he never did he never did yeah so the songs that were cut from that were in the stage version were uh bushel and a peck right right Be- which perry coma had a big hit yeah. with that and then uh my time of day uh, I've never been in love before, and more I cannot wish you. Yeah. Uh, and I, I've never seen the stage play, so I, I don't know if those are good or bad. But they were used as incidental. Uh, the the music, at least, was used as incidental uh, underneath dialogue in in parts of the film. Yeah. Yeah. So well, all right. Well, um, we are out of time. Oh, so um, soon. So soon. Um, <laughs> I do want to give a shout out um, to Janice King Smith. 
who uh, sent in a great photo with Michael Landon, like uh-huh. a really old, uh, when he was doing westerns, long before the... Uh, He's in the in that picture. He's in the Little Joe outfit. Yes, yeah. He was at a rodeo in Ardmore, and um, uh, students from the seminary school there, uh, the boarding school, uh, were taken to the rodeo, and she was able to, to uh, for one dollar... For $1. Get a, get a picture with uh, Michael Landon. Isn't that crazy that stars used to do that? Uh-huh. Yeah, just tour around and take pictures with people for a dollar. Promotion. Promotion. Yeah. That's what Brando hated. <laughs> he remembered <laughs> he why. He remembered why. Like a dollar for my was... photo. Um, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, we want to thank her for sending that photo in. And... Uh, if you have a photo with a famous celebrity that uh, you'd like to send in, we would love to get that in the mail or email, and uh, you'll hear a tag in a minute with the address that you can send those to, and and uh, we really love getting those, and please include a story when you send those in. We we uh, we like getting the photos, but we love just yeah. as much getting the story because it's kind of boring without a story <laughs> if we just say, here's... So and so with so and so, yeah. Um, but uh, but yeah, send us send us in a story that goes along with that, and uh, please send those in. We love getting those. And uh, our next movie on the OETA Movie Club, Ooh, what is, is Shane? Oh, 1953 Shane. Western. Now, Shane. <laughs> I'm assuming that's from the movie. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I have not seen it it's yet. It's a tearjerker. It's a tearjerker. Well, tear don't jerker. ruin it. I have, okay. I'm going to watch it before right. next week. I've never seen it. Uh-huh. People who have come to see some of our live events and have listened to this podcast might know that I'm not a very big Western fan. Oh, uh, yes. But I'm yes. going to give it my 100% <laughs> effort to watch it and get into it and enjoy it. Um, I, I, you said it's a good one. So Jack Palance is very scary. Very scary in this film. Yes, so that scary. might that might make it for me. That and I he hope. he basically it's kind of the same character as City Slickers. Oh, okay. Yeah, you know, City Slickers puts a, a comic right. spin on it, but yeah, the, the you know the uh, stoic and and you know kind of and he's really scary in in this one. Okay, yeah. good. Well, maybe I'll maybe that'll that'll. Uh, Give it some life for me. <laughs> um, so anyway, so that's going to be my trick, watching a Western over the next week. Okay. Um, all right. So thank you guys for listening. We really appreciate you guys tuning in each week. Again, we air on the OETA Main HD channel, Saturday nights at 9, Friday nights at 11. And, uh, and uh, thank you for listening. Until next week, take care. Bye-bye. Make sure to like and subscribe to the podcast. You can preview all upcoming OETA Movie Club films at oeta.tv forward slash movie club. And please send your celebrity photos to P.O. Box 14190, Oklahoma City, Oklahoma 73113, or you can email them to us at oeta.tv forward slash movie club. And of course, tune in every Saturday night at 9 and on Fridays at 11. We'll see you on the couch every weekend for a great movie and fresh popcorn.